Good evening. It's Wednesday and it's 10 o'clock. And is my microphone working this week? It looks like it is. So welcome to the Late Late Chat Show with me, Toby Payne Cook, and my excellent friend, the very wonderful, the very Devon, the very beardy Ed Finch. And so this week we're going to get sciency. We're going to get sciency amongst our usual revelry. Speak soon. Okie dokie, here we are. I hope I've got online. That's me. Total two. Lucy's in. I want to know, Lucy, can you hear me, first of all? Is my microphone working? And Tom Rogers is in. Um, I haven't got an Ed yet. Can people hear me? Let me know in the chat. Um, I think it looks like my microphone. Yes. Good. Okay. Well, let's get professional then. Let's wonder where... Oh, Ed Finch, here he is. Invite. Da, 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 da. Good evening, Edward. Good evening. You're there. That's a reassuring sound after last week. I know. Yeah. The beginning of the show. I don't know now. Tom's in the in the live room. I don't think last week's show ever got posted. Was it such a sham? Sham, Tom. Did it sound awful or was something? It the worst. Um, it, because I thought our chat was really good last week. Once we got over I the first, we were on form. I thought we were on fire. You know, if that's going to be the lost episode, you know, in years from now, somebody's going to find it in a cassette in their granddad's attic. You know, and it'll be they'll, they'll blow the dust off and say it's like this was the one. You know, this is the one that would have launched their careers if only it was. <laughs> it, was it was the sort of prototype smashy and nicey one. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, no, no. Um, Tom said, he, "Oh, sugar." I thought he had punished it. Well, you know, <laughs> hey. Um, well, um, it's fine. Did, we wouldn't know, would we? Uh, <laughs> no, there's there's a few disappointed commuters earlier in the week. You know about about oh, three. Disappointed, so, commuters, um, disappointed joggers and dog walkers. Yes, and people who cook well, to us. Well, like the first five minutes would have confused them horribly, wouldn't it? They'd have. Uh, it would have done. It would have yeah. done. Um. So how are you, Ed? Oh, you know what? I've got about half an hour ago. I thought I had a new persistent cough. But it appears to have cleared up, so that's good. Um, all <laughs> a fine. new well, persistent book day cough. for me tomorrow. That's what. That's my my excitement. You're doing World Book Day. Is it? Is what it was actually officially last week, wasn't it? it was is that actually officially last week? But in Chagford, we like things to do things differently. So tomorrow we've got Chagford World Book Day, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we're going to dig in. Only I haven't thought about my my outfit yet if any of the listeners would like to uh, make a suggestion of outfits i can wear using only what i already have in the world i think what you should do is um just to really irritate yourself and and the whole thing and then you know you should really wear um some kind of outfit of a character yeah that was in a film that was made into a book after I, the film yeah. or even better we had some last week some of our dress-ups i had some cricketers mm. and i said what why are you dressed as a cricketer and i'm dressed as mark wood and i go well, yeah he's a cricketer has he, has he written any, any books book? is, is he a character well yes wisdom. he's in this book about a big him. character in wisdom <laughs> yeah, and and but you know that's the problem, isn't it? Is is that for 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 the fifty percent of children 
roughly 50% of children? Is that a right figure that don't really read books or embrace books at all? Is that is that about right, 50% or is it more than that? I don't know. No, um, I mean, anyway. Do you, this is a subject for another day, so we won't go too far into it. Yes. People who promote the love of reading, I think, are slightly off track. Because <laughs> I think, I mean, obviously, there are people who love reading me. If there's nothing else to read, I'll read the size of the cornflake packet or I'll read, you know, yeah. I'll reread the, I don't know, the letter from the gas bill. I do just, even if I love it, I think I'm just addicted to it. Most children, you know, addicted to plot or addicted to character or addicted to humour or, you know, addicted to cricket and they read the cricket magazine that their that's dad fine. gets and it's got this guy. That's reading, isn't it? It, might not be it is, it is, it is. It's, it's good, yeah. Reading. It's all good, yeah. but they don't it's love fun. the reading per se. They love the content or what they Absolutely, get absolutely. So but Joe said on the chat, Joe said on the chat, I'd love being Batman on World Book Day. It's a comic book character. It counts. I think that's true. I think yeah. characters that were created in a comic and then made into sort of huge, expensive film franchises. That's fine. That's fine. Anyway, we're not going to get too into books because we did books last week. None of them go the other way, do they? I mean, are there are there um, movie superheroes who weren't originated in comic books? Comics. I don't think so. I don't, you know, if you look mm. at the whole Marvel franchise, that's all books. If you look at all the DC stuff, that's all comics before it is movies, isn't it? Yeah. Apart yeah, from I think the so. tick was no, the tick was a. Co- I was going to see. I'm wrong. The, the tick. tick comic oh, what's the tick? It was a, a very amusing Peter Serafinovich um, TV show, wasn't it? Ah. Banana Man, of course. Oh, brought forward the Incredibles. So Joe's, so Joe's, the Incredibles film to comic apparently. Ooh, yeah, that's true. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's so Joe saying that the Incredibles. Yeah, film to comic, definitely. Film to comic, yeah. Okay, yeah, there's, yeah. there's there's the exception that proves the rule. Right. Um, oh, guess. logical trope. Anyway. Um, anyway, so I, I have to say, I'm, I don't know if listeners knew last week, but but you knew that I was I had a bad day last week, a bad week last week. But this week, I feel a bit happier um, getting, getting my ducks in a row. And um, I'm really enjoying... Just whilst we're talking about books at the start of the show, I'm really enjoying the book I am reading for my out of school, nothing to do with education book club, um, yeah. which I'm just coming to an end. It's a fantastic book. I've never read one of his before. I've always wanted to. Jonathan Coe, Mr. Wilder and Me, um, which is all about a uh, Greek lady called Callista who somehow randomly meets Billy Wilder, the, the yeah. former Hollywood the, the Hollywood producer, um, not director, sorry, um, a filmmaker. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just great. It's just a great, great, great book. It, and it was the book that Barry Cryer, who'd gone off reading, Barry Cryer, the late, great Barry Cryer, who died at the end of January, um, he went off reading fiction about 20 years ago, apparently, and on Broadcasting House on Radio 4, which I'm a big fan of, on, on Sunday mornings, Paddy, Paddy, I forget his surname. Um, and uh Barry Cry was on that and they were trying to re-engage his love of fiction and this was the suggested book that he read and it and it worked for him um and only just before he died. So so um anyway enjoying I that. Loved what did I love from from Jonathan Coe, didn't he write the Rotters Club? Hang on, I've got the list of his books on the inside yeah, cover. Yes he did, the Rotters Club. Loved that one so much. Uh, and then what was after that? Um he's written the closer this is the fiction, the accidental woman, a touch of love, the dwarves of death, what a carve up. The House of Sleep, The Rotters Club, The Closed Circle, The Rain yeah, Before Rotters It Falls, yeah. um, The Terrible Privacy of Maxwell Sim, Expo 58, Number 11, 
the Broken Mirror and Middle England. That's just a and lot then, of typing, isn't it? I mean, that's that's a lot of typing. It's a lot of typing and non-fiction, which I've got. I bought this second-hand at um, Sissinghurst Castle National Trust um, second-hand bookshop, Like a Fiery Elephant, the story of B.S. Johnson. B.S. Johnson was a bit of a maverick, I think, and I started mm. reading that. That's, that's going to be quite interesting as well. Anyway, there we go. Um, how are we? I need to check on the time, Ed. Um, right, now then, let's make... Shall I do a sound effect? Go on, do a sound effect. Yeah, I'm going to do a sound effect. Do it. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Have you got one? I haven't. I well, haven't I one. haven't really been on Twitter much. You may have noticed. <laughs> this is going to be a great tweet of the week. I, I'm, oh. I'm not. I've not quit it completely for Lent. I'm not. I've done. Yeah. Not gone full Ben Newmark. Um, and and <laughs> quit it for Lent. No, Ben's Ben has definitely quit it for Len. He's a very he's he's yeah. a he, he's got a much more integrity than than I have, I think. So I'm I'm having to go on it to post things. But I've 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 also stopped doing because I'm reading a good book. I've been yeah. busy with some of my personal paperwork and stuff, and school and blah blah blah. Um, I haven't been wordling every day this week either. I haven't been haven't been nerdling, wordling, whateverling. Um, so so I'm sort of feel. I feel quite good for good good for it actually, but I do have a tweet of the week though. I do have a tweet of the week. Um, I do have a tweet of the week from your good friend who I still would love to meet. uh, Bookmarks. Um, It was a very lovely one. Hang on, I think I bookmarked it. No, please say I did. (laughs) Oh lordy, no, it's not going well now, is it? Yes, yes. That would terribly wrong. Oh, well, it was by Simon Smith. Yes. And lots of people liked it. What did Simon say? Oh, ferrets. <laughs> He's barely been around, you know. So, um... He's not been around much, but but I, I've got him here in one of my tweets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to his Twitter account and I'm going to go. Gonna find it. I'm, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to if I've enjoyed any tweets this week. It's been thin pickings this week, I think. But I'm oh, wrong. wow. Amazing. Hang on a minute. Hang what, on a minute. I'm sorry. This is, this is good search, radio. I'll tell you my tweet of the week because I just remembered it. Go on then. Um, Sarah McIntyre, wonderful illustrator, wonderful author. This is a very, very self-indulgent tweet of the week. She tweeted, she went to Dartmouth for the first time, never been to Dartmouth before, and uh, she tweeted some pictures of her lovely day out in Dartmouth, and she included the place that I had my summer holiday in. See? That, that, that <gasps> made me smile. Made me yeah, remember nice. my summer holiday in the middle of a grim term, and there was a photograph of her... Uh, Lovely house on the harbour that we stayed in. So I was very pleased with that. There you go. That's my tweet of the week. A reminder of my summer holiday. She's having a lovely time. She's recently moved down to Devon. She's living not far from where I work. She's been living down in um, in Widdicombe. And every day she's tweeting pictures of the beautiful mall. Because oh, Widdicombe in the mall. In which she can go for a walk every day during daylight hours. Imagine oh. that. Well, we can do Wake that if, morning, if we've only got another month. Take the up for a walk up to the up to Only the another month to go for that or so, or even oh, less than a month, actually. A we few weeks, really. You can do this. Um, right, here we go. I found it. Yeah. Simon Smith. I love my job. However, at points, I've let it take over my life. Mm-hmm. Sadly, if you're not careful, it can do that. I let myself get carried away with the importance. It is, however, just a job. An important job, but still just a job go to work do your best job then go home and live and that got 2990 likes yeah. and 267 retweets well, if um, i'd tweeted it it would have got about five 
Well, if I tweeted it, it may have got one. So, so, it, it, and we will discuss that when we come to question of the week at the end with a shoddy turnout on both my surveys. I mean, there's there's massive apathy, fear. I don't know what's going on out there. It's 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 not good. It's not good. I think I maybe I've been muted. I don't know. Anyway, um, so that's that. There was one or two other things actually. You said something quite funny, didn't you, Ed? Yeah, you did. Um, I liked I liked um, Compound Interest, who who I follow, um, who tweeted women in chemistry history. I mean, this this we'll talk about science in a moment, so okay. I might come back to that. Um, hang on, bookmarks, and then there was one. Uh, you what was it? It was, it was just a naughty one, Ed. <laughs> All, it was it was a retweet. It was your retweet. Always check how Twitter truncates your handle when viewed on mobile. <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi um, it doesn't came come up, out as Obi Wan, does it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it made no. me laugh. It doesn't <laughs> got a whole lot of likes that one. I think probably a lot of people are far too grown up. And I'm retweeting it again now. Okay. But I'm I am not that. I'm, I'm going to snigger if I see a, a naughty word. I'm afraid, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say. You will. I'm. I'm. I'm going to lose followers for finding a naughty live words. Live from radio. radio. I'm yeah. live from radio. Tweet from me now. I had to quote tweet because I'd already retweeted it. Um. Anyway, there we go. Um. Right. So let's do another sound effect then. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I was playing with. Yeah. I want to do this one. I don't know why I'm doing the cheering one. Why am I doing the cheering one? Um, cheering one. It doesn't herald anything. It just heralds the sound of cheering. Oh, no. He's lost it. He's lost it, people. He's just pressing the buttons. Oh, no, somebody trying... liked it. See, we've got a massive great flurry of hearts there. Somebody liked it. That's all quick, people want again. is sound effects. That's all people want is sound effects. Um, no, where is it gone? Fanfare. Here we are. The three most. The three most. We, we're not really doing a three most. We, we're we're talking about science. Okay. Because the three most science. The three most. The science. three most science are biology, and uh, chemistry and physics. I think. Yes. Now I'll answer that the, one quickly. As you've opened on. that one up, I've always, you know, in in sort of school and mm. university. People think of chemistry as the central science. Biology mm. is perhaps the most accessible, the, the most one. tangible, because yes. it relates to us and plants and things we can see and touch and enjoy mm. and appreciate and under, try to understand life and medicine yes. and all that stuff. Um, and so, so you've got biology is kind of ineffable mystery. Yes, it's and so you've got, you got to mathematics really, and beyond. But you sort of think well, chemistry people. overlaps with physics. In, in, in the kind of physical chemistry, the, the properties and, and atoms. I mean, the, obviously, it's, um, a, it's a totally false distinction, isn't it? You know, there is, there is, you know, biology is as much chemistry as it is anything else. Chemistry is as mm. much physics as anything else. Was there a time when it wasn't a false distinction and they've moved to the point where they overlap so much it's silly now? Or was it always just useful to carve them up into three bits? Cause... Well, I I don't know. I think I, I, that's a really good question. But I, I tend to see the world this way, personally, mm -hmm. which is not how it's done as school subjects, is that I tend to think that, first of all, um, the more biology you kind of have, you study to try and mm -hmm. understand 
living systems you've got to understand mm -hmm. cells and what goes on inside cells and what goes on inside cells is mostly chemistry so yeah. to understand biology quite deeply you've then got to understand chemistry yeah. and then to understand chemistry quite deeply you've really got to understand atoms and therefore you've got to understand physics yeah. and then to understand physics deeply you've got to understand a lot of maths a lot yeah. of maths because it gets very mathsy very very um uh, and then and then maths if you keep studying maths um, so you could you could sort of say that, that, you know, science basically turns into maths because it turns into. But but I think it, the more maths you study, the more, you know, I'm talking about kind of postgraduate maths and beyond now. I'm not yeah. talking about the sort of stuff we have to try and get 10 year olds to understand. Um, uh, you know, it sort of becomes so abstract, but also so beautiful that it turns into art. So I think yeah. that everything is a subset of art. Um, but 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 really, I, I think physics at school never rocked my world. I have to say, physics at school is 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 you know it's it's a niche. It has a niche appeal. I think the sort of people who absolutely love physics and do well in physics, I think, are wonderful and important people, and fair play to them. But my word at school does does the curriculum. It, I mean, apart from space, obviously, which most people are fascinated by space up to a point. Um, but then physics is, is gets, gets really, 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 really sort of. But but in the real world, I think physics is wonderful. So I'm, with the reason we're talking about science is it is British Science Week or National Science and Engineering Week, as it used to be called this week, I, I think. Um, and I am a former scientist and science teacher. So, but I wanted to mention something wonderful about physics that I went to WOMAD Festival uh, mm. a good few years ago. I went several times to WOMAD Festival, but the, I think too. the last time I, the, sorry? Me too. Loads Me of too. Times. Yes, years great. And years. Of but they have now at, at modern WOMADs, they have the ooh, physics, they have a physics tent or something like that. And they do some, you know, lots of hands-on sort of experiments and talks, you know, aimed at, aimed at kids, but also some fascinating deep stuff. And there was someone who did a talk there. She was a, uh, I've forgotten her name now, which is quite shocking. Um, uh, ooh, I think she was called Catherine something with a double barrel surname. And she did a brilliant talk. This is this is about five years, four or five years ago. Uh, she did a brilliant talk about um, ballooning um, and, and people launching balloons into space. So there was all about um, a mad guy called Picard who was trying to launch, you know, um, helium balloons, balloons or balloons up into space mm -hmm. and trying to get far up into space. And then, of course, that was that really nutty, German guy a few years ago, Felix Baumgartner. Jumped out, I think, of, the jumped who, out of the space. Yeah, that's right. He launched himself, I think, twenty-four miles into space or something like that, yeah. and then then jumped out. He, he, he went up in a space capsule and then he kind of fell to Earth in free fall. He fell faster than the speed of sound. He was tumbling and spinning, and somehow he didn't die from the from the, the multiple G that his body was experiencing, whatever. And he was spinning and travelling faster than the speed of sound, and then he survived. And and um and he you know got this that's that wonderful image of him jumping out of his his capsule by balloon. But anyway, she did this wonderful talk about the history of nutters, you know, 
trying to get into space and not realizing how cold it was up there and um and all that sort of stuff and how little oxygen there was up there and and lots of people dying you know going back sort of 100 150 years ago um or thereabouts um trying to kind of do these crazy things and and she did this talk at woman and i just went up to her afterwards i said that was fantastic i had two of my very early teenage or pre-teenage kids with me at the time and um and i said that was great you wouldn't come and speak at my she lectures at at, at the time at guildford university of surrey i think so you wouldn't come and speak to to um my school um during science week and she said yeah sure i would of course i would and so she came and so this is this is me this is this is toby not consumed with large personal change and 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 a little mm. bit tired in the classroom about three years ago um maybe four maybe four i organized a whole load of stuff for science week you know we had she came in and did this fantastic talk it was really engaging for the children i sometimes have an alter ego where i become professor erasmus thinkington what's it and put on a bit of a science show for the younger ones the sort of year three and four and you know just do a bit of edutainment for for an hour and and excite them about science and and all that sort of stuff and um physics but that's what i'm saying big physics Big physics is fascinating, but it's it's hard to fathom. Um, and this is really what I wanted to discuss, I suppose, today is, is, you know, we make these subjects so meaty and so fundamental and so testable too early. So we turn off a lot of people from them. Yes, we find the pure physicists and we find the pure chemists and we find the pure biologists who are, who naturally get this stuff and, and uh, you know, are going to do all right and they're going to go on and become the medics and scientists and engineers of the future. But we also turn off a lot of people who, who could become those people too. And, and that concerns me greatly. Um, yeah. Do you think, so in primary school, Ed, on, on the subject of science, which becomes just one subject uh, and an amalgamation of three very, very different subjects. Um, Do you think, do most of the children in your school enjoy science as much or more than most of their other lessons? Do do you have a sense of of that? Is that- I do, I I have a sense that children think, the vast majority of children really think they like science. What they think they like is doing investigations. Yes, that's which is what different. they want to be. It is different. Well, it's um, not different. It's it's real real science is investigation, kind of, but, but not school, not GCSE science. A lot of the time, is it? You know, it's like well, a they're not investigating anything. They're uh, enacting a demonstration poorly. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I've got a huge, you know, liking for it. You know, you know, you know, yeah, absolutely. Let's put some vinegar and some bicarb together and put it in a plastic film canister and make it go pop. And you know, absolutely, yeah. that's meat and drink to me. I want the children to have those experiences, but you know, and these are the experiences which become their episodic memories, where they will go. Mm. You know, they'll be fifty years old and sixty years old. I remember when we were at school and we set off these rockets, and one of them hit Mr. Finch's face, and it was. Funny, you know. Actually, <laughs> oh, you're a rocket launching that. enthusiast, aren't you? You're a rocket yeah, you, you, launching you, enthusiast. You, what did you learn? I don't know. I mean, the, the thing went pop, and it was funny. You know, I remember that. I like science because Mr. Finch got a rocket in the face. Um, and maybe elsewhere in the science curriculum, they are learning stuff which will stick with them and be useful. But I'm not really sure what it is. You know, you look at the uh, 
the grab bag pub quiz of the uh, national curriculum in science. You're like, mm. I don't really know that any of this is. I don't know. I really want them to have a really good job of learning about evolution because there's so much, the, obviously, so much misunderstanding. Mm. And I feel we're going into a world where I don't know. I don't know if you disagree with me, but like looking at trends in the United States and then seeing some of the things that have been happening in the UK, you think we need to defend uh, understanding of of you know some really core stuff and some yeah. of it's science and then some of it's uh oh that's reminded me whilst you mentioned evolution i think evolution is a very important uh, aspect that but, children but taught so badly so much of the time it's taught so badly because most people it's most people don't fully understand no, most, how long most, it takes and, yeah, and most and people how... who are teaching in primary schools don't have a science degree do they no. lucky they got, you know <laughs> i don't want to be rude but that's not where they come from to end up in primary generally yeah. So but there was I mean, one, some, I was, some of the misconceptions, we could do a whole program on the misconceptions that I've absolutely, seen misconceptions in the primary classroom by perfectly good people, but they don't have a subject knowledge. But, but then there's misconceptions actually in the curriculum, you know, in, mm-hmm. in some ways, because to try and make certain things make sense, we sort of, that, and that happens all the way down, you know, that happens... Well, it doesn't happen that much at A level, but A level is obviously an abridged version of deeper mm. degree courses. And then GCSEs are, you know, there are some, they're no lies, but there's some sort of skipped over things, some, some, you know, and, and but by the time you get down to key stage three and key stage two, particularly, as you say, if it's taught by someone who has no understanding of the fundamentals through no fault of their own, absolutely, um, you know, it, it, you then end up sort of, you think, well, actually, why are we trying to teach children a fundamental understanding of something? And and I don't know, but, but just touching, picking up on the evolution thing. So I um, love teaching and discussing evolution with children, whether they're in year to start a bit of it in year five, but I do it as a year six, do it. I do it in year six in, in, in the summer. And then I, be, I kind of end it in year six with evolution as a big picture. And then the beginning of year seven, cause we got to year eight where I am. So, so the beginning of year uh, seven, I then go into human biology in quite a lot of depth. And so then kind of look at a bit more anthropology initially and, and what is a human and, 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 you know, and all that. And so it's kind of human evolution rather than evolution in, in general. And, mm. and there's a three, the three, uh, Christmas lectures, the Royal Institution Christmas lectures um, in 2018, I think, were presented by uh, Professor Alice Roberts, who mm-hmm. um, does actually follow me on Twitter due to my occasionally fawning geological tweets about Heartland Key. Yeah. Um, and and so, uh, so, so I'm a big fan of Alice Roberts. So she she presented, she co-presented the three Christmas lectures and which, you know, for, for kind of kids, kind of bright upper key stage two, key, they're targeted at sort of key stage three kind of age, I think, really. Um, and um, her second presenter was someone called Professor Aoife, Aoife McLysett. So she's Irish. That's a made up name. No, it's not a made up name. Spell A O. I-F-E. Aoife yeah, McLysett. She's on Twitter. And now. I had a fascinating conversation, which in fact, Tabitha, our, our um, t- Teachers Talk Radio, Tabitha McIntosh um, was involved in this discussion. And I was kind of talking about Sapiens, the book by Noah 
Yuval Noah Harari, who, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is kind of massive, massive bestseller. Um, and I read it and I thought it was a great, fascinating book, you know, all that idea of imagined realities of, you know, religion and money and nations and how those have enabled us to kind of grow civilization. And, and but um, Aoife is really anti that book because wow. talking about evolution, he talks about the, he breaks the history of humanity into various sort of revolutions. So you've got the, the scientific revolution of, of uh, 500 years ago with Newton and, and Copernicus and, and, and um, Kepler and all that lot. And then, and then you've got going further back, various other revolutions. And he talks about the cognitive revolution, um, mm -hmm. which he reckons is about 70,000 years ago. And he sort of suggests that um, you kind of, that's when humans really, uh, our brains really advanced and language developed and, and so forth. But he's suggesting in his book that it kind of happened um, I don't know. I can't really remember the context, but he's he's kind of kind of got it wrong scientifically because right. it's it basically inferring that cognition developed once humans had spread out of Africa. Yes. So it was a quite a dangerous yes, sort of um, silly thing, to say, isn't it? I yes, mean, exactly. I don't, and so I don't so know there's much. some there's I a lot of C.S. Lewis saying something kind of similar in oh which book. Oh, I wish I could remember which. Yes, it's Lewis. Because I was like, we don't. He's like trying to argue, you know, do it does the the theory of evolution of human evolution uh, does that negate the possibility of God? You know, it's. I think it's an, He's writing this at some point in the nineteen fifties, I think. So it's a yeah. slightly fresher debate there now than it was there. But he goes, you know, we don't need to worry about it. You know, maybe maybe humans evolve and become the sort of guttural, slouching apes, and then one day God suddenly imbues them with the uh, you know the power to, to reason and the and the, uh, uh, the ability to worship Him. You know, like like mm. all of this stuff goes on. They get their voice boxes and they're like their brains ready. You know, yeah. all the all those mechanisms that will be needed once they are able to be fully themselves. You go, yeah, I don't think that's how it works. You know, <laughs> I think. I think you have to uh, evolve the brain by thinking a bit. It's funny, yeah. isn't it? You know, well, the, the, of course, the, like the, this whole human body is this vessel that was created and then one day imbued with the ability to be human. Yeah, and I think exactly. But I think one of the big theories about the massive advance in our in our our prefrontal cortex, which is where mm. all the kind of you know deep thinking and, and and memory storage and stuff happens, isn't it? Is is um, it's calories, isn't it? Because our brain, our brain is about between three and five percent of our body mass, I think, um, but it consumes about twenty percent of the body's energy needs. Um, so it's thought that once we sort of discovered the daily use of fire and cooking, basically, and we could cook cook vegetables and get calories into our bodies much more efficiently than eating raw food, uh, which all other animals on the planet do. Um, we could then um, much more efficiently get energy into our body, which enabled over a long, long period of time. And I, I'm really out of my expert zone here, you know, it enabled our kind of brains to develop way beyond that of all other mammals yeah. and, and therefore um, 
you know, somehow over a long, long period of time, develop sort of speech and 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 then then you know once you can talk, and then of course once you can write stuff down, uh, much 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 later, then um, knowledge can be passed on and culture can be developed very easily. So, um, but we should have a break there. So there's so much more to talk about. Um, but Ed, have you got a little bit of ukulele to the news, or do you oh, want to do some ukulele at the end? Okay, no, no, I can do both. I can do both. Do no, both. I mean, well, I mean, I, I say I can do both. I may not be asked to do both, no, but um, yes, of course you will. It's. Oh, it, it, well, I was going to do. I haven't practiced this, so let's see if I can uh, have a little strum through. Anyway, uh, on the basis of your reminder that that Macca is headlining Glastonbury only two years late. Yes, he headlined it once before in two thousand and four, but he's now he's now positively, you know, he's he's. I think is will he be the oldest headliner? No, he'll be the oldest Saturday night headliner, I think, ever. And then on the Friday night, you've got the youngest ever headliner, Pyramid Stage yeah. headliner, with Billie Eilish playing headlining on the Friday night. So anyway, carry on. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these sunken eyes and learn to see all your life. You were only waiting for this moment to be free. Blackbird fly. Sing it with me, come on. Blackbird Blackbird fly. fly. Into the light of the dark black night. Night. Should we do the second verse? Um, Come on. uh, Yeah. Singing singing in the dead of of night. Take these broken broken wings and let me fly. All your life. You were only waiting for this moment to arrive. Black Hit the news like a boss. Hit the news like a boss. I want to talk about the Beatles in a minute. Um let's yeah. do the news now Is that though. Science? No. No, uh-huh. um, but thank you for that, Ed. Here's the news. How long and is the news? Um... It's shorter today. Is it? It's, we've got six minutes and 48 seconds. Go and make a hot chocolate. Get another glass of whiskey. Do whatever you've got to do. We'll be back in six minutes and 48 seconds. Don't leave us this way. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls' School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. 
book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot UK. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A healthy eating scheme called Food Dudes is being introduced in some primary schools in Jersey to reduce obesity in children. Children will watch videos about the importance of healthy eating and get a daily delivery of fruit and vegetables to eat each morning. Minister for Education, Deputy Scott Wickenden said, Unfortunately, we have an increasing number of children who are becoming what is considered overweight or obese during their development in primary school from reception to year six. Evidence-based programmes such as Food Dudes, which has a strong body of research demonstrating the difference it makes, is an excellent way to make teaching children about healthy eating more fun and exciting. The scheme has already been introduced to thousands of UK schools and evidence suggests it can help change children's attitude towards fruit and vegetables. In Scotland, the SQA has been accused by pupils and teachers of failing learners by releasing patronising revision guides to help tackle the disruption caused by COVID-19. At the end of February, the SQA announced that it was moving to Scenario 2 as a result of significant disruption and stated it would release revision support to help reduce stress and anxiety. Pupils criticised the support which was released with one saying on social media, I never thought that SQA would assume we are so thick we wouldn't read the question before answering, but here we are. While another said, feeling confident about my exams now I know a six marker question is worth six marks. SQA Chief Executive Fiona Robertson said, the measures are the fairest and best way we can help support all learners while also maintaining the integrity, credibility and standard of the qualifications.
This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk timers. After being challenged to make a timer with shapes in PowerPoint, I thought I'd throw out a quick tip for the most common presentation software used in teaching. Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides. The easiest way to add a timer is embedding a YouTube timer video. In Google Slides, it's easy. Simply click on the insert menu and select video. You'll then be given the option to search YouTube. If you didn't know already, YouTube is full of timer videos. So type in the timer you want, for example, five minute timer, and you'll be given a list of videos to choose from. Select the one you want and it will embed. Finally, use the video format options to determine whether you want it to play on a click, start automatically or manually. Job done. You can also do this in PowerPoint, but you'll need to search YouTube first to find your video as you'll need the video's URL. If you're not a geek, that's the big long www address. Now you've got the address, select insert video and online video. Paste in the address and it will embed. Again, you can decide how it plays back in the playback menu. For both these methods, you need to be connected to the internet for them to work, but usually you will be. For this week's visual version, I'll retweet my example of the shape timer from last week and add a short tutorial demonstrating the methods I've just described. So don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. <laughs> I just thought I'd play the laugh clip, Ed. Hello. Um, welcome back, everybody. Um, I've just realised that at the beginning of today's show, I don't think I sort of was my usual fawning sycophant of the people who listen in every week in, week out. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those of you who listen to us on Catch Up. Um, if, if indeed... I managed to upload this onto the platform tonight or Tom does it for me tomorrow morning. Who knows? Um, anyway, um, thank you. And hello, Ed. Welcome back. Where's Ed gone? Ed's gone on mute. He's on mute. He's got bored. He wants to talk about books, not science anymore. No, He's I back. didn't get bored. I pressed the mute button because I don't know if I talk while or like make a cup of tea or burp or something while the news and that is on. I don't know whether people hear that, so I yeah. mute myself, and then uh, and then I, I was happy chatting away to you, mate. I was chipping in. I was being, like, I was, chipping in. I was, being I was really I... amusing. I was thinking like <laughs> the listeners will be loving this. My little asides while he chanters on. I was chanting to myself. Nobody knows. <laughs> nobody cares. Um, right. Anyway, so sciencey, sciencey stuff. So so, yeah. uh, what I sort of we're going to do probably about. Oh, we've we've overrun the last two weeks, but should we try and vow to finish within five minutes of our allotted time today? So <laughs> should we try and we... vow to finish by by one hour and five minutes by five past okay. eleven? We'll be do done. It. So so that means by it. eleven we need to be doing ukulele, which yeah. means by um, probably ten to eleven we need to be talking about our questions of the week. So okay. so okay. So we've got well, eight more minutes. Give us very so. long. We've got seven, seven minutes. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Yeah. Wrap up. Um, okay. But well, you know, we can come back to this. But I think I suppose one of the things I wanted to try and get to, and I've mm. I've obviously talked about science, is that you know, I, I I was in industry as a scientist, accidentally fell into science, um, and 
when I worked at Pfizer from 2001 to 2011, and a little bit actually at the end of Zeneca before that, I used yeah. to go in and do some schools sort of workshops and stuff. And I used to love going into probably sometimes with year 10, more commonly with year 12, sort of, you know, sixth form, who were already committed on their on their path onto science because they'd chosen, you know, science-based A-level. So talking a bit about careers, talking about what happens in the pharmaceutical industry, how long it takes to develop a new medicine. And, and you know, it was more lectures, but used to try and do workshops and stuff like that. And of course, the children always lapped it up and loved it because it was it was a change from the norm. Um, and then when Pfizer came to an end for me, um, mm -hmm. I went to do what looked like the perfect job on paper. I mean, I went to so so on paper. I went to become. I was a it was a maternity cover position as a director. It sounded very grand of a small educational charity, Set Point Hertfordshire. Set as in science, engineering, and technology. There used to be a lot of mm. set points run through all the, um, the in every every um, LEA had one. Every local education authority had had a set point. I think, and it was a way of coordinating the local sort of engineering based companies and science based companies or any any local universities as well with with schools to try and do a bit of outreach and a bit of a bit of inspiration of of the importance and wonders of science beyond the classroom and um set point hertfordshire was one of the last ones i think and it's still going actually um, but it was a really really good organization and i liked what they did and i liked what we tried to do but I absolutely hated the job because it was it was all admin. It was all government targets. There was a thing. I don't know if it's still going, but as part of the government, not part of the DFE, completely disconnected to Department for Education, there's the it's called something different now, I think. But it was back then the biz the Department for Business Innovation and Skills, I think. Um, and I think um David Willits was it was 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 involved with it. Um, Two Brains Willits, as he used to get known as, I believe. Um, he and there was a thing called Stemnet, which was which is still probably going as a way of if you're a STEM ambassador. So if you're a practicing scientist or engineer or technologist, um, you would register with this thing, and then and then organizations like the one i worked for had a load of you know targets how many engineers you got into schools how many da, 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 da. but set point hertfordshire did a lot of workshops um but the thing is the problem with all this stuff so i on one hand i think it's brilliant um and you know bringing in a little bit of real world well this is what science and engineering is like in the real world not in your physics gcse syllabus or your chemistry gcse syllabus it's it, it, you know completely different and these are the sort of skills you need and these are the sort of people you'd work with and these are the sort of things you do but a lot of the people you know and then they, they have all these kind of presentations try and persuade children who thought scientists were all geeks and nerds and uncool to sort of say, well, actually normal people do science, which is my experience of science, you know, normal people. I worked with a lot of normal ish people at Zeneca and at Pfizer, you know, people who looked normal, acted normal, did normal things and, and were just like you and me like, but 
a lot of the engineers who came went in to talk to children and try and persuade them that engineering was this really exciting thing were some of the most boring people I've met in my life. And and you know, they were sort of semi-retired or retired engineers who sort of spoke in a slightly sort of awkward voice. And mm. you know, it, it's sort of funny. You had this sort of whole sexing up of science thing that was going on when when the whole stem thing kind of formed and and then i started so i then became very cynical about it and realized how economically motivated it is and obviously you know the economy does drive our our lives and our world and our politics and you know whether we like it or not that's that's the that's the world we're in and and we do need particularly when we're designing uh advanced weaponry for the ukrainians to use or 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 etc you know you need some pretty advanced engineering and advanced scientific skills to do that sort of stuff and you also need some pretty advanced scientific skills to design um biotechnology in in medicine or in farming or in food production and um you know digital technology and software engineering and all that sort of stuff which is all you know quite mathsy quite physicsy quite computer sciencey and so i get it I get the STEM thing, but the problem with STEM in schools is that maths is a very, very run is a very different subject by very different mm-hmm. type of teachers as yeah. as science. So it becomes problematic, doesn't it? And and there is, uh, I'm waffling, but I'm going to say one more thing: is that I am I wrong in that science is about the only subject in school that is both a very school, academic, theoretical subject, examinable subject, but also a very vocational subject. So we need a lot. There, are, Whereas, yes, there are geographers. Yes, there are mathematicians. Yes, there are English literature graduates. But actually, most of the subjects we study at school don't really exist as jobs unless yeah. you go to teach them. Whereas yeah. science... There's huge amounts of jobs that are very, very dependent on science. And, and I think that that creates quite a challenge with sort of education. So, so sometimes mm-hmm. it, the whole education of science becomes about sort of fundamentally underpinning the future scientists, the future medics, the future engineers. But other times it becomes about just opening people's eyes, increasing their scientific literacy. Yeah. And, and and it's complicated. So what what do you have to think about say about those sort of things? Ed? I don't know. I mean, I think I don't think the majority of primary school teachers who are teaching science have much uh, sort of awareness of it as a as a career path. I think that maybe happens pretty abruptly when they go into secondary, depending mm. on school. But I think um, you know, look at the people who sort of tend to become primary teachers. They're more sort of like awe and wondering, aren't they? They're more yeah. like, wow, look at this amazing world we live in. And I don't, you know, occasionally you know you get your science week once a year, and you get people from the local industries around you to come in. And you know, I was based in Oxford until you know until a year ago, so obviously mm. we got all the people off the uh, off the science park come in and they present on their amazing you know, projects they were doing and things. And so for one week a year, it'd be like, oh, yeah, science is a job. People actually do it. These people are scientists. And, you know, and you know, and they turned out mostly not to be stereotypical. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. People with awkward voices. They tended to be, as you say, very normal people. And, uh, 
and a lot of them were parents and carers of our community. So, like, about once a year, you go, oh, yes, it's all about, you know, it's jobs and, you know, people make their living off it. The rest of the year, we're like, oh, look at that. So here's something that floats. I wonder why it floats. Actually, I don't know. I didn't do it at university. But it's interesting that it floats, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what else floats? Let's try this brick. Oh, it didn't. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, isn't it? Is That's the other thing, that in primary science, I'm not knocking it, because I think mm. I think the investigation and the exploring is important. But primary science is, I mean, it's got a little heavier in, in, the, in the new curriculum, a little yeah. heavier, but it's it's pretty light. There's not, it can there's not... Be. It can be very light. Of course, so right down the line, well, in our early years foundation stage, where the children are learning how different things feel. And, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, that's science too, you know. So, like, and the example that Sue Cowley gives is the child learning that when you... That metal always kind of feels cold, isn't it? Doesn't yeah. metal always feel cold? Whereas even on a cold day... Wood, wood doesn't. feels warm, you know. Yeah. And, the t- t- you know, the teacher majority of primary school teachers won't come anywhere close to being able to explain why that is but mm. they can help the child notice it and say isn't that funny what what else might be metal let's see if we touch that oh the glass the glass feels cold too doesn't mm. it? you know and you know why why is that and do they need to know about conduction things but that early folk science as um, sue calls it you know yeah. stuff that we all know and experience and which talking about is interesting and talking about the world is interesting and opening our eyes to you know what we can do with our senses to read our environment you know that's science too yes absolutely and somewhere between that in early years foundation stage and you know key stage 3 we're sort of transitioning between learning to observe the world in a, not really a scientific way but certainly in an experiential way mm. you know so somewhere that fades into you know you know that lovely experiment we do with children all the time where we we've got a beaker of hot water and a beaker of cold water uh you know and and, and we put our finger in one and then the other and we notice how it feels differently if you've had your finger in the really really cold water and then you put it into the hot water that hot water's stinging hot but the other finger, which hasn't been in the cold water, thinks it's very tepid. The two fingers can be next to each other. Now, mm. there's, there's all sorts of really interesting stuff going on there scientifically about how we work as humans. But actually, most of us just go, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? I think, I think so though, that, I mean, and it's a, that's a really broad reading of what science is. But I'm thinking, yeah. you know, in, in primary education, that's actually the meat and drink of it. It's saying our world is weird and rich and strange, and we have... A limited number of tools to interact with it we've got our eyes and our, our ears and we've got our uh, sense of touch and um, mm. what can we learn about this crazy place we ended up and, then we, we and i think that's science because we've got nothing else to call it i know? think it's broadly right i think there's been a lot of people there's a lot of people who want to, the primary science divide is is mm. the primary secondary divide sorry is 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 huge on science because but but i think it's broadly right what primary tries to do with science. I think sometimes it can be, you know, you know, it can be made into a bit of a mess and stuff like that and not, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, to try and drip feed more and more fundamental content down into year five and six from, from, you know, I, I don't think that's the right thing to do, but I sometimes think that, you know, your, your, your perhaps sort of stronger, 
brighter whatever word you want to use um year five, five, fives and sixes can be sort of left a bit hungry for science so when they go to year seven it's all exciting and they've got the lab and they've got mm. real scientists but but the problem is it, it just seems to be too much not enough meat in in primary i'd say and but then too much meat in secondary you know too much meat too much fundamental meat and not enough exploring and and the wonder because i do think I think we know enough now, uh, you know, teachers aren't very honest about this, that there really is very little correlation between, you know, what and how we learn when we're 14 or 15, or indeed when we're eight or nine, and, and, and what we're capable of doing or learning and becoming when we're 25, 26, 35, 36. So, so I think the idea that, that science at school should be training us to become scientists of the future is a bit of a flaw. But then on the flip yeah. side, um, yet, and yet we pack our curricula with so much fundamental stuff too early on. So uh, we could go on, I could go on about this for ages and it's rather inconclusive. It's all a bit nebulous, but I think we ought to talk about the, um, the two very unpopular surveys that I did. <laughs> um, so, oh, 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 yeah, just do this. <laughs> it's, it's the wrong sound effect. It's not the one I normally use. Question of the week. So, first question of the week, with a mighty turnout of. <laughs> Hang on, where's it gone? Oh, I've gone missing it now. Oh, jeepers creepers! Have I not been here? It is. Oh no, I haven't even. I haven't even bloody bookmarked it. I've bookmarked the second one. But I haven't bookmarked the first results, so I'm going to have to go to my outcome out of bookmarks, go back to myself, and find it. It was it was me being silly. So yeah. um, there was some conversation between um, Tabitha and Adam Boxer and yourself yes. and me about how STEM is winds up scientists, pure science teachers. You know, I I really am on the fence. You know, I can see that the STEM thing's great. I'm personally prefer steam because i do think there's a creative element to the sciences and mm -hmm. i think i think we need the art creative in there um, i think the whole stem movement is driven by engineers you know engineers engineering is a hugely important part of our our world and and yet it's not a subject at school and probably quite rightly so because it is it's it's, it's an applied applied versions of, of design and technology isn't it I mean, yeah well you know don't get me on dt i think the world was better when we used to do a bit of woodwork and a bit of metal work and just enjoy the creative <laughs> side of it and and not try and but, but anyway there we go yeah. um uh, but oh where is it oh gosh i've lost it now it was a sh it was it was me going on about shame sham and and stuff here it is here it is i found it i found it i found it so the question was we all know about economically driven stem and creatively driven steam but which acronym acronym best represents your cross curricular edu dream eight people voted in this ed eight people <laughs> eight people yeah um more one of them, than, one than them voted for slag one of yeah. them voted for slag science languages art and geography mm -hmm. two of them voted for shame and two of them voted for shag so shag science what does this tell us? science history art and geography 
Shane, I think Shane covers it all, really. Mm-hmm. Shane is brilliant. I think you have science, humanities, art, maths, and English. I mean, you know, there's not a lot missing from that, is there? Um, yeah. And then um, languages, I suppose. Uh, and then the winner <laughs> with three out of eight votes. <laughs> mm. uh, sham. It's all a sham. Science, history, and maths, art and maths. Um, that and, and to be honest, I know that history is a really important subject. If you want to go and become a scientific researcher, you know, learning to read and disseminate information and, and learning to write and, and articulate, build an argument about your, your data. Actually, history is a really good trainer, training ground for, for becoming a scientific researcher or publisher of, of many scientific articles. So there we go. But the other survey was perhaps a little bit more interesting. Um, not much more interesting, I have to say. Um, not many more votes. So now I'm going to bookmarks. Here we are. Where is it hiding? There it is. And this is part of a sort of what we've been talking about. We haven't touched on this at all. So we need, maybe need to talk about this another time. Should science be mandatory to 16? And whether yes or no, should key stage 3 and 4, 11 to 16, contain fewer topics and or more choice? A mighty 18 votes. So uh, more people voted yes, science should be mandatory. So so 50 plus 22%. So, so 72% of people voted yes, science should be mandatory to 16. But that means that we're 28% of people out of 18 people who thinks that science shouldn't be mandatory to 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but of those 72% who voted uh, yes, it should be, uh, 50% in total, so nine out of 18 people, thought that science should be mandatory to 16, but it should contain fewer topics and perhaps a little bit more choice. So you're not sort of locked into all these, you know, outpouring of fundamental stuff. So so I think um, uh, that's not really decisive, but I think that some Christian uh, who is a biologist, he responded, um, which you liked, I think, um, uh, with where did Christian Christian's response is, in Spain, science is not obligatory in the final year of secondary education. And then if they do choose, they have the option of physics and chemistry or biology and geology. In my opinion, some biology should be obligatory, especially some environmental ecological topics. I think that I know that Spain, you can you can stop studying science at 14, whereas history is compulsory to 16 in Spain. And I, I've talked about that before. And I think that's quite interesting because... Yeah. Um, but a lot of people choose a science, a non-practical, a non-fundamental science option, like the sort of, you know, culture of science or history of science, you know, some of the, which is, which is kind of, you know, more, more perhaps relevant to more people than understanding the fundamental structure of the atom or whatever it is. Um so there we go. So I think, and also Richard Newbold, who teach, who's a good friend, new friend, who teaches at Tunbury at Skinner's um, School in Tunbridge Wells, which is a highfalutin, uh, high entry standard, highly selective grammar school. So he teaches some pretty bright chemists, um, mainly in the sixth form. Uh, an interesting one. Back in the day, you could do one, two, or three sciences at O level. Lots did human biology as it was deemed to be easier. I didn't do biology as I had no interest in being a doctor, although I have taught it at GCSE. And then said, not getting everyone to do at least double science might close some options. I had a boy who hadn't enjoyed key stage three science, but flourished at GCSE, opted for chemistry and biology at A-level and thrived and is now a pharmacist. I think that's 
that's really my point is that mm -hmm. by making science so meaty so early on it can turn people off but then they can wake up a little bit later on and realize yeah. actually i do want to go down this path and i've got a brain I, I can do this if i want to you know um and but i think that's that that for me is a slight problem that i think we worry too much and we that, well, that you know we yeah. worry too much about closing down things if people stop studying science early on whereas i think if people are finding science hard and boring and disengaging at 15 just like stop and if you know if you realize that actually oh that's a bit of a regret then make it easy for people to pick it up again when they're 18 or 19 or 20 you know i i don't know i think that's that's my view on it all anyway mm. Mm. ed yes we've done science <laughs> science tick there Tick. you go. They already with us. Yeah. Brilliant. They they Thank have you. been on this journey with us and they are now thoroughly unimpressed by science. I used to like science at school, but Toby's convinced me we should probably pack it in. <laughs> we do more fun science. Do more uh, pop rockets, you know? Yeah. So, well, science is fun. You know, you're gonna do boring stuff for a job, whatever you do, aren't you? I mean, tell me a job yeah. that isn't boring, you know? I can think test pilot. Go, oh god, not another day in test pilot thing, you know? <laughs> I don't think that's the most exciting job I can think of. That tells Maggot you farmer. Um, uh, I there imagine was... farming gets a little. I was talking to one of my parents at my school who's a farmer, and his life has been revolutionised. Do you know what's revolutionised his life? What? A webcam. It's a fancy webcam. He's got it in the lambing shed. He stays in bed. Once in a while, he uh, opens an eye, looks at his phone, which has got a live feed from yeah. the lambing shed. If there's nothing going on, he goes back to sleep. <laughs> he got almost normal sleep. Like Obviously, mo all previous years, he's had to stay up all night in the lambing shed. And then his presence in the lambing shed, he says, the thing is, if you go in, you put everybody off their stride, don't you? If you're... Yeah, or you know, carving as well. He says, you know, you walk in, the cows might be just getting into the rhythm for, for you know, for carving, and then in comes, you know, Farmer Jones, and they they all they get thrown off kilter. He says he can watch the whole thing. He goes, yep, yeah, nah, she's doing fine. She doesn't need me. Yeah, well, yeah. Then. stay in his lovely no, bed. That's a good. That's a good invention. I farming. I, I enjoyed my farming quiz last week mm -hmm. um, on Friday night. I was quiz master um, with my my friend, number one farmer guy. And other people, mm -hmm. a few other people on the twits. Um, but um, yeah, it was good. Um, anyway, music you played earlier on, Ed. Uh, yes. The um, Blackbird, not I the did. Blackbird. You played Blackbird by Paul McCartney or by I the did. Beatles on from the White Album, which is my favourite Beatles album. Um, oh, have you got any more McCartney? Um, and um, I could sing you um, yeah. as you played Blackbird by by. Um, the Beatles, I could do Blackbird by the Wurzels a cappella now. Okay. Okay. Where I be your Blackbird too? I know where he be. He be up your Wurzel tree and I be after he. Now I sees he and he sees I. Bugger if I don't get him. With a great big stick, I'll knock you down. Blackbird, I'll have he. How's your father? All right. Anyway, um, have you got any you more go. McCartney? First, well, first what show. McCartney do you want? I actually, I had Old My Old Man's a Dustman up. But no, no, I mean, no, do that, can... do that, do that, do that, do that, do that. Don't what you Old want, Man's a Dustman. It? Yeah, that's what we need. Okay, that's doing that, and then we'll be peace out. We'll be peace out. Take care, everybody. Now, Thanks for listening. Story. Um, sorry for boring you with science. Is a must about an unsung hero that moves away your dust. Some people make a fortune, others earn a mint. 
My old man, he don't earn much. In fact, he's flipping skin. Oh, my old my man's old man, a, dustman. a dustman. He wears, he wears a, dustman's a dustman's hat. hat. He wears gold blimey trousers and he lives in a council flat. So flat. He looks a proper nana. And his great big hobnail boots. boots. Oh, Can you know the better next bit? <laughs> um, Why? He's got such a job to pull them up that he calls them daisy roots. Some folk give tips at Christmas and some of them forget. So when he picks their bins up, he spills some on the steps. Now one old man got nasty and to the council wrote. Now the next time my old man went round, he punched him up the throat. Oh, <laughs> my, my old man, dustman. dustman. He wears, he wears a dustman's hat. He wears gold blimey trousers and he lives in a council flat. flat. Um, I might stop there because it's there's a lot it's of late. it. <laughs> and we've done the best bit. Actually, no, he found a tiger's head one day. Now, to a piece of wood, the tiger looked quite miserable, but I suppose it would. Then, from out of a window, a voice began to wail, said, Oi, where's me tiger's head? Four feet from its tail. Oh, my, oh my <laughs> old man, the dustman. He wears a dustman's hat. Anyway, um, Noreen asked for a science theme song, and I was trying to think of one earlier on. Yeah, for I you, was but... thinking one. I was thinking, uh, I was thinking Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science, but I don't really oh, think that's yeah. a great song. There's, there's, there's a Chemical World by Blur, which yeah, is well, um, there's albums yeah. and albums by They Might Be Giants, of course. Isn't uh, yeah, and there's there's lots of song titles that are sort of sciencey. You know, if you if you're going to get a bit, we you know there's Heroin by the uh, by the Velvet Underground. Is that and, technically um, science? Well, I it's about it is. A, it's... It's, it's about a chemical. Um, <laughs> They're all chemicals, mate. <laughs> They're all chemicals. Um, yeah, anyway, we better go. Take care, everyone. Um, look forward to speaking to you next week. Ed, it's not far. It's, it's yeah. only two and a bit weeks before I'm down in Devon. I'm down in Devon for a, oh. for a week with the girls and then a week on my own, I think. So we will catch up in the face-to-face again soon. Not too long. And, uh, anybody who's running, listening to this, anybody who's commuting, anybody walking the dog, have a wonderful time, whatever it is you're doing. And if you're listening live, one of the... Very small number of people doing that. Uh, six. Then let's just say a big, uh, lots of love to those guys and uh, yes. big hugs. Hugs. Absolutely, big hugs. 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 Look after yourselves, everybody. Yeah. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.